Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm too lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Tell somebody nearby you, tell them I am going to see the victory. Greater is he that, that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. Again, we're so honored to have everyone that has made their way out today. See so many familiar faces. Amen. Some of you that we haven't seen for a little while, we're so honored to have you with us today. Amen. We pray that you already have been blessed. How many of you love worship? How many of you love what happens in worship? Amen. Paul and Silas were in prison, and they just began to have a worship service. And the next thing you know, them and everybody around them was free. There's something about true worship, not entertainment. There's a difference. Entertainment is where we focus on the sound of what's going on. We focus on the rhythm, the beat of what's going on. And I'm not against, I'm thankful for a good sound and I'm thankful for a solid, steady beat. I'm thankful for all those things. But it's the spirit of worship when God gets in the middle of everything that's going on. And the spirit of God begins to move in this place. Amen. It's when God begins to move that anything is possible. I want to ask if you would, amen, turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 12. And we invite you today as we read the word of God to stand with us and I just want to explain why we stand when we read the Word. We, we stand because we reverence the reading of the Scripture. We recognize this book is the Holy Word of God. We, we built our entire lives upon the, word, the promises in this book. Amen? This book. Everybody say this book. The Holy Word of God. And, and, I, and here's what I know. What I don't respect, I cannot receive from. Amen? If I go to a doctor and I don't respect that doctor... Whatever it is he tells me to do, I'm not going to do it because I don't respect him. But when I respect something or someone, I receive freely from that individual or from that entity. And so I want, we want to have a reverence for the Word of God. That's why I'm just telling you why we stand. If you don't stand, we don't have, you know, we're not going to send the police after you or, or some, you know, hidden Gestapo within the congregation to force you or coerce you to stand. I'm just telling you why we do that. Amen. That, that might sound like, man, how am I going to sit down after that? But just explaining why we do that, all right? Amen. Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to just read a few verses in your standing, beginning at verse 39. The Bible says, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. What was the sign of the prophet Jonas? For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they, the men of Nineveh, repented at the preaching of Jonas. Behold, a greater than Jonas or Jonah is here. Amen. And I want to utilize these words of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 12. And I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on this thought. Nineveh shall rise. Amen. Nineveh shall rise. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. Amen. Just a couple of announcements before we uh, step into the preaching of the word today. First of all, 
uh, next Friday, I think that's the 28th, we're going to be honoring, is that right? The, the, not, not this coming Friday, but a week from that, we're going to be honoring our homeschool graduates. And uh, I say we're gonna, the, the homeschool graduate ceremony is going to be taking place here at the church on that Friday evening. Uh, certainly all of our graduates, amen, those of you uh, that are graduating from public school, we honor you. All of you graduates, wherever you're graduating from, why don't you wave your hand right now? Amen. Awesome. Jacoby and Jake, Gabe. All right, we're, we honor our graduates. We recognize that is a, uh, a huge achievement, and we honor you for all of your hard work. Amen. Uh, also, coming up, uh, Memorial Day weekend, I think that's that same weekend, is going to be our church picnic, and it's going to take place here at the church. Um, due to just some of the situations going on right now, we're going to have it here at the church. We're working to make that as uh, fun as we can. And I don't know about you, all I need is food, and it's plenty fun for me. But we'll try to do some other, uh, some of you that need more entertainment than food, we'll try to find, we're, we're working on some things that we can do, uh, especially for our children, to make sure that they're able to have uh, an enjoyable time. Amen? So both of those events will be coming up on that Sunday, because we will be going right from the service into our picnic, which will be on the grounds. Uh, we're going to make that a casual Sunday, only in, a, only in attire. All right, not in our approach. We're still going to be... We're going to go after it on that Sunday. We're going to expect to move at God, but uh, I know the Living Hope shirts will be in, and uh, you can wear your Living Hope gear if you got any of that. Uh, anyway, it'll be more of a casual uh, in attire that Sunday. All right. Amen. Everybody good today? If you're good, tell your neighbor, I'm good. If you're not, wait till later and tell them what's wrong. For now, we're going to move forward into the Word of God. Nineveh shall rise. There are several significant events within the Scriptures that are compared in their occurrence. Comparable, I should say, in their occurrence. Four events that I find to be very comparable. Four to be exact. Three that have already transpired in the chronicles of history. And one that has been prophesied but has yet to have occurred. Amen. I told you, Brother Roberts, this morning, I told you about that time that I tried to move the iPad. It just happened to me. That was the devil. I cast him out in Jesus' name. These four occasions are major demarcations of both time and dispensation. These four events that I'm going to bring to you today are major events in the Scripture, perhaps four of the most main events that you can ever read about. These four occasions illustrate the unrestrained, manifest power of God visibly at work with mankind. The first would be the flood, the building of the ark by Noah. That is Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 describes it would be, first of all, to the saving of Noah's family. Second of all, it would be to the condemning of the world. And thirdly, Noah and the ark, the Noah and the building of his ark and the flood would also become the way, the method that Noah would obtain righteousness with God. The second occasion that I read to you today or bring to you today would be the reluctant ministry of the prophet Jonah, who only after he was spewed from the mouth of a great fish, he would preach a cutting eight-word sermon in the streets of the wicked and sinful city of Nineveh. The third occasion would be the coming of the King of Kings, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. At his birth, angels would appear in the field unto shepherds, beckoning them to come to Bethlehem, and worship this newborn king. Those three occasions, the building of Noah's Ark, the reluctant ministry of Jonah, and the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem 
have already transpired. But there is one comparable circumstance and occasion that has yet to occur, and that is the catching away of the church, the bride of Christ, referred to as the rapture. This has not yet taken place, but with every day that passes, the imminent occurrence of the coming of the Lord draws closer and nearer. At first glance, there might be little to tie these four accounts together. You might be wondering, how do you tie Noah's ark and Jonah's ministry and the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem and the second coming of Jesus? How do you tie these events together? Well, from a chronological perspective, they really have nothing to do with one another. Noah's ark, the flood, has been estimated to have occurred around the year 2300 B.C. Jonah and his trip into Nineveh has been attributed to the year 600 B.C. Simple math tells us 1,700 years transpire between the two occasions. Of course, the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ, would be the occasion that would transform the record of time from B.C. to A.D. And so at least 600 years between Jonah and the birth of Jesus. And the final occasion that has yet to transpire the second coming of the Lord, the rapturing of the church, we know is at least 2,000 years from the appearance, the first appearance of Messiah. And so it's not the, uh, their proximity to one another in time that brings these events together. It's not the audience. It's not the dispensation. It's not the response. It's not even the results of these four occasions that bring them into the same category together. Yet the, the, the one circumstance of significance not only brings these four biblical events together, but it is the same significance that makes this a relevant message to everyone that is in this building today. Uh, amen. Here is what ties Noah's Ark, Jonah's ministry, Jesus' birth, and the second coming of the Lord together. In each of these situations, a merciful God graciously gives to mankind an unmistakable opportunity to get its act together, to amend its ways. It's an unmistakable opportunity for man to amend his ways in the face of looming judgment. I've got to be honest today and tell you that as I look at each of these four occasions and these four occurrence, three that have already transpired and one that is coming soon, I would tell you that as I begin to look at them, I believe that Noah's generation should get somewhat of a pass. Though vile and wicked, the Bible tells us that God looks down upon the earth and sees wickedness everywhere. But the Bible says only one man, Noah, finds grace in the eyes of God. And even though it's a vile and wicked generation, they have no prophet. They have no written word telling them that one day a crazy neighbor that lives near them is going to start building a boat. They have no prophet that comes and tells them, get ready because it's going to start raining and the floods of the deep are going to up and uh, open up and the world is going to be covered by water. They don't have that. They have no prophetic voice telling them, get ready because it's coming. They, they, they have no written word telling them, get ready because a prophet is coming among you. And when he tells you to get on the boat, you better do what the man of God, they don't have any of that. Hey Amen. They, they're 
overwhelmed by seeking pleasure in their passing days when all of a sudden a crazy neighbor starts building a boat. That Bible something neighbor begins preaching that rain is coming and that you better take heed and get on the boat. And I got to be honest today and tell you if my neighbor today starts building a spacecraft out in his yard and tells me there's an alien invasion that is coming. I'm probably not going to listen to my neighbor. I'm just being honest. And so I look at the people that in Noah's generation, I look at the neighbors surrounding Jonah, or Noah rather, and I I can't really fault them. Obviously God did bring judgment for their vile and wicked ways. But if we're comparing where we're at today in Noah's generation, if we're comparing them and the coming of Messiah, I can't really fault Noah's generation. And the second occasion, Nineveh. The Bible tells us Nineveh is a godless, wicked town. These are not people that grew up in Sunday school. These are Gentiles. These are not believers in the God of Israel. It is a civilization rather that was renowned for its cruel and barbaric ways. The name Nineveh did not come up before God. The Bible tells us in one occasion that the name Job comes before God and the reason the name Job comes before God is because he is such a righteous man. But the Bible doesn't say that, that Nineveh comes up before God because of they are righteous or noble, but only one reason that the name Nineveh comes before God and is because they are wicked in every way. Extra biblical writers also wrote about the wickedness of this city, Nineveh, a great city, 10 miles they, they have measured from one side of the city to the other. But not only do biblical writers declare the wickedness of Nineveh, but Greek literary giant, giants such as Herodotus and Aristotle have also written about the sinfulness of Nineveh. Another writer by the name of Theodorus of Sicily, and he, he wrote, and I'm going to paraphrase and and kind of summarize his words. But he wrote in his writing, again, not a Christian, not a godly man, but he wrote the king of Nineveh was perverted and, and that the, 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 the agenda of the, ador, of, rather of the king of Nineveh was to erase the, 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 the lines of gender distinction. I'll let that one sink in a little bit. A non-biblical authority, a non, a, not a godly person wrote, and said one of the marks of the evil of Nineveh is that the king of Nineveh began to try to erase gender distinction. He began to try to separate and say that there's no such thing as male and female and you can be whatever. Don't think what we're facing right now is a new thing. The Bible tells us there is no new thing under this. What we're facing is a spirit of perversion. You can get mad at me, you can get offended, and you can probably find another church in this city that isn't going to preach to you what the Bible says. But I'm telling you today, it's a spirit of perversion. Now, all you good saints, all you good saints right now that come up and pat me on the back and say, Pastor, be bold and courageous, then when I say things like that, don't sit there in your seat and stare at me. That's why pastors stop preaching the Bible, because the pew gets quiet. All right, I'll move on. Not just within Scripture, 
But history records that Nineveh was a vile and evil city, a barbaric city, a city that treated its enemies so vile and so with such barbarous ways that even extra-biblical writers record of the wickedness of Nineveh. And yet one day, a preacher shows up with only one sermon on his iPad, a preacher that doesn't even want to be there. He is praying the prayer of the preacher before he opens his mouth on that Sunday morning to declare his sermon. His prayer before he steps in the sermon is God, kill them all. I'm not playing. That's a, Jonah was hot when God didn't kill them all. Jonah was in fact, Jonah said, God, why don't you just kill me? If you're not going to kill these wicked people, then kill me. The whole time he is preaching, he is praying, God, whatever you do, don't let them respond. Whatever you do, God, I know I'm telling them to repent, but please don't let them repent. When they do respond and repent, he throws a temper tantrum. Says, I'd rather die than to see these Ninevites spared from judgment. Talk about an uninspiring ministry. He comes in smelling like rotten fish guts. He's got dried, rotten seaweed draped over his head. Hey, man, you get mad because I'm bald. It could be worse. Jonah walks in. He looks a mess. His tone is insulting and offensive. He did not spend time preparing his sermon that Sunday. He's got eight words total. He scribbled them out right before he walked up to the pulpit. This was his entire sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. 40 days and Nineveh shall be to over and over. And it wasn't with a plea to come to an altar. It was, I can't wait until God kills you all. Am I right? All right. Today in our culture, if the pastor isn't hip, if he's not wearing a tight muscle shirt and skinny jeans, if he doesn't let a few cuss words slip accidentally, no, that, that's the trend today. You've got a cool pastor if he accidentally cusses a few times while he's delivering. If your pastor accidentally cusses, you need to find you a new one. Well, he's just a man. No, he's not just a man. He's a man that has separated him, him, his life to do a holy work. And if you accidentally cuss on Sunday, it might tell you what he's been doing on Monday. Now, I'm not talking about getting tongue-tied. I've, I've mispronounced some words and some bad things have come out. That's just the devil getting a hold of my tongue, don't, all right? But that, that's a different scenario. If pastor doesn't agree with me politically, if he doesn't agree with me about masks or vaccinations, I'm going to go pastor shopping. That, that's today's culture. In today's instant response society, if pastor doesn't return my call, if he doesn't respond to my text messages, if he doesn't reply to my email, then I'm just going to go shopping for a new shepherd. Can I tell you, Jonah was leaving everybody on red. Jonah gets done preaching, they're texting him, hey, was that meant for me? He's just like, yep, sucker, I don't want you anyhow. 
Everybody, everybody. Hey, I felt like you were preaching to me today. Sure was. Back in the pocket. <laughs> he was leaving everybody. How many of you know what getting left on red means? It means you know they heard what you had to say, but they didn't take the time to respond to you. Today, if the preacher, if his tone comes across a little bit rough, if we feel like we're not being fed, if our pastor gives us biblical counsel that doesn't pacify our sinful desires, we start Googling other churches in the community. Our humanity is to begin looking for reason to disqualify the anointed mouthpiece of God. But let me just tell you, Jonah did not care. He didn't care about your feelings. He didn't care how you felt about his sermon. He didn't care if you got mad that he left you on red. He didn't even try to put time into preparing his sermon. He didn't even try to act like he put a good sermon together. He's like, eight words, I don't care, go home now, go eat lunch. We would not put up with that. He was more seaweed than skinny jeans. He was not using a compliment sandwich to try to appease the easily offended citizens of Nineveh. No, 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 no. no. Jonah said, let's get rid of the bread and let's just get the bologna. Jonah did not want you in his church anyhow. Jonah's goal is when I get done preaching, I'll look up and there will not be one person left in the building. That was Jonah's goal. Amen. You better thank God today. Hey, thank God Jonah is not preaching today. And I read this, and I would have understood, Brother Roberts, I would have understood if the people of Nineveh would have run Jonah out of town. I, I, would, have, I would have understood. Amen. I would not have been shocked if they would have laughed this crazy seaweed clothed preacher if they would have laughed him to scorn. Amen. It would have made sense to me because much like the neighbors of Noah, the people of Nineveh had no premonition. They had no prophetic word letting them know that get ready because one day a man is going to walk down the street of your city. He's going to have seaweed on him. He's going to be a little on the angry side, but be ready because when he preaches, you need to repent and get right with God. They didn't have any of that. And so Noah's neighbors, I get it. I get it when Noah's neighbors did not get on the boat. Not the right choice, but I get it. I, under, I would have understood if Nineveh had not received Jonah and they had not repented, I would not have been shocked. But the next occasion, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that came to take away the sins of the world. For 2,000 years, biblical scholars have scratched their heads in amazement. And we've asked the same question. How did they miss the Messiah? How did they miss the King of Kings? How did they miss the one that Isaiah prophesied would come? How did they miss Jesus? The Jewish people had been living for this moment since the pen of Malachi fell silent some 400 years earlier. They had been waiting for 400 years. They had been waiting since the throne of David had been established. If you want to be real about they had been waiting since the serpent had deceived Eve in the garden. And God made a promise and said that the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. He was making a promise that there is going to come a child that is going to be born that is going to destroy the works of the enemy.
They had been watching. They had been waiting. Someday our Messiah is going to come. Someday the King is going to come. One of these days he's going to be born. They had been watching the bloodline of David. They had been watching with keen interest as they watched, waiting for the lion of the tribe of Judah. They were, they were watching that bloodline, every baby that was being born out of the tribe of Judah. They are watching, is that the one? Is that the one? Is, is this the one that will be Messiah? Jesus fulfilled each of the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. Each one of them. Depending on which biblical scholar's account of the messianic prophecies, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to 340 prophecies that the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ fulfilled. If I could put that into some context for you to understand what that means. If, if I go to the MVA today and I tell them, you know, I want to get my driver's license, they're going to say, okay, bring with you three forms of identification. We need you to prove that you, you are who you say you are, right? You can bring your social security card. You can bring your uh, birth certificate, right? You can, credit cards don't work. I've tried that. But you, you can bring through it. We need, we need some photo ID for, to prove you are. And, 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 and the, these messianic prophecies were a way for them to look and say, that man is, is the Messiah. He is who he says he is. But 340 promises had to be fulfilled in one man. Professor Pete Stoner, chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College, stated that the chances of any one person fulfilling just eight of the most clear and straightforward messianic promises can be calculated in a mathematical equation as one in 10 to the 17th power. That's what that would look like. The mathematical likeliness of any one person fulfilling eight of the prophecies that had been spoken about Messiah. The lottery is a lot less than that, okay? If you're wondering what the chances are, in 2018, Mega Millions Lottery had a $1.6 billion jackpot. And the chances of winning it were 1 in 302 billion, no, million, 575, 350. Anyway, I don't know how to say that number. It's a lot of numbers, but it's a lot less than that. It's about half of that. It's about 1 in 10 to the 6th power, the chance of you winning $1.6 billion. Amen. Some of you took your chances at it and didn't get it. Sorry for your luck. But the chances of Jesus being Messiah, the chances of anyone, in other words, you're not going to fake this. If you're Messiah, it's all going to line up or it's not going to line up at all. One in eight, just eight, any eight of them. You pick any eight of them and Jesus fulfilled all eight of those prophecies. Let's go further. The probability of any one person fulfilling 48. Now remember, there's 340 that Messiah would have to fulfill but the chances of any one person fulfilling just 48 of them would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Now, you can't even see all the zeros. There are zeros all the way down to here. 
And they come all the way over there. There's the last zero. And they go all the way out. That's a lot of zero. The chance of anyone, in other words, when Jesus stepped on the scene and started healing the sick and raising the dead and walking on water, born in Bethlehem, born to a virgin, it was a mathematic proof. He is Messiah. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But Jesus didn't just fulfill 48. He fulfilled all 340 prophecies. Let me tell you, there's no doubt in my mind. Jesus is the king. I know our school systems today are trying to tell our children that there's no such thing as a God. There's no such thing as creation. But I believe Jesus is who he says he is. And he is the savior of the world. Every. Those of you today that, well, I don't think I need Jesus. The math is against you. Some of you right now have it in your mind that, that you can keep living the way you're living and think you're going to make it to heaven. The math is stacked against you. Jesus said there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to salvation, and that is through me. Jesus stood up and said, let me tell you, the math is on my side. I am the Savior. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the doctor. I am the physician. And this was not a surprise. These people that Jesus came to were people that recited every single day. They recited the Shema. What is the Shema? Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all of your mind. These people every day got out of bed, Brother Silvati, and the first thing on their mind was, when is Messiah coming? The first thing on their mind was not, what am I going to have for breakfast? Will I have Wheaties or oatmeal? That's not what was on their mind. The first thing on their mind was, when is Messiah coming? They knew the prophecies of Isaiah. They knew that his name would be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They knew that he would come out of the tribe of Judah. They knew that this Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They knew he would be born of a virgin. They knew he would speak in parables. They knew he would ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. And yet, as John chapter 1 verse 11 declares, he came unto his own. And his own received. How do you spend your entire life looking for Messiah and then miss it when he arrives? How do you spend every year offering up a sacrificial lamb, waiting for the one that will come to take away the sins of the world and then miss it when the lamb walks among you? Hey Amen. I don't understand. How did they miss it? Noah's neighbors, I get it. Nineveh's citizens, I can understand. I would have understood if they would have sent Jonah packing and said, get out of here, you crazy, stinky man. 
but the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't understand. But then I begin to consider what is going on right now in our world. I begin to consider the, the final of the great events that will forever alter time and usher in eternity. And here we are just in the last seven days, in the last week that we have been living. There has been more end time prophecy fulfilled in one week than there were in a thousand years. And we look back at the Jews and say, how did they miss Jesus? But I'm asking you because some of you are about to miss Jesus. You look at the Jews and you say, how did they miss that baby born in Bethlehem? And I look at you and say, how are you missing the second coming of Jesus? In the last seven days... The Bible tells us, look to the fig tree, which is a type of Israel. Look to the fig tree. Look to the olive tree, a type of Israel. Things are happening just in the last week. There has been war breaking out. Let me tell you, that was foretold thousands of years ago. And yet some of you sleep through church. Some of you don't come to church. And you're about to miss Jesus. We know the Bible tells us that the end times will be marked by man calling good evil and evil good. And if we haven't been there before, where are we now? Amen. We know the Bible tells us that nation or ethnicity would rise up against ethnicity. Can I get an amen in the house? We know that the Bible says at the coming of the Lord, there would be wars and rumors of war. We know that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that before the Lord comes back first, listen, first there will be a great falling away. Can I tell you what that means? Before Jesus comes back, there are going to be a lot of people that used to be faithful to the house of God that aren't going to be there anymore. And we think we know what that... That's why they missed Jesus the first time. Because we think we know exactly what that means. Oh, that, that means those people, they're going to backslide and they're going to leave because they get involved in an in, in in a adulterous relationship. That, that's, no, no, it could just be people that during COVID, they stop coming to church and they stop being involved in what's going in the house of God. And before you know it, they've drifted far away. And they've, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do know the Bible says before Jesus comes, there's going to be a great falling away. If I were in this building today, if I were watching online today, I would run and find me an altar. And yet even knowing what the Bible says, even knowing that the Bible says that there's going to be a great falling away, sometimes I feel as a preacher that I've got to try to wake you up because you sit through sermons. You stare at me like I've lost my mind, but I'm trying to get you ready.
Matthew 24 tells us that many false prophets will arise right at the coming of the Lord. And many will be deceived. Many. Everybody say many. Tell your neighbor that means I'm not immune to this. Don't think because you're apostolic or you grew up on a pew or because your daddy's a preacher or you're best friends with the preacher's kid. None of that disqualifies you. You can be deceived. The only thing that keeps you from being deceived, the Bible says, is a love for truth. That means you can't keep me from the truth. It ain't the church you go to. It's the word of God. Do you love truth? Buy the truth and sell it not. Many, many, not, not a small percentage, many. Being deceived implies they were people that once believed. I'm not preaching to the unbeliever. It says many of you that once believed are going to be turned away. You're going to be turned away because you get consumed with the world. You're going to be turned away because you believe Fauci more than you did the Bible. And you let what science says override what God says. You can sit there and stare at me right now if you want to, but I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. I don't have any beef with Fauci. I don't know the guy. I never met him. But Fauci does not, does not override the word of God. He does not override the promises in this book. Many will be deceived, and because of iniquity, iniquity is the sins. Because of iniquity, the love of many, the love, everybody say the love. The love, that, that's not talking about you stop hugging your spouse. That's not what it's talking about. You know, that, that, that the spark in your marriage goes out. That's not what it's talking about. The love of many, that word is the word agape. And the usage of that word is speaking of a love feast. It's talking about the fellowship with the body of Christ. And it says that before Jesus comes, there's going to be a spirit of deception that comes. And you're not going to love getting together with the body of Christ like you used to. Now you can laugh at me like they laughed at Noah. You can think I've lost my mind if you want to, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build me a boat. I'm not preaching to people today that don't know these verses, the same verses I'm sharing. You know them as well as I do. And yet statistics tell us that within the last year, church attendance across America has diminished by as much as 60%. The love will wax cold. Deception. We know from the prophecies of Daniel, the book of Revelation, we knew there's going to be a one world government. What's going on right now? Well, exactly what Daniel said was going to happen. All the governments are coming together. They're not even hiding it now. They're telling you that's what's happening. And we're, you know, shocked, confused, and amazed. Yes, it's happening. We've known it for 3,000 years. Well, is this really Jesus coming? Some of you are going to figure it out about one minute too late. You're going to pull in this parking lot. 
And you're going to come running in this building looking for one more opportunity to repent. But when the door on that ark closed, opportunity to repent was over. When Jonah walked out of town, the opportunity to repent was over. When Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Ghost was poured out, the opportunity for those people that did not believe, it was done. Revelation 13 verse 17 tells us that in the last day, here's a sign you're going to know Jesus is coming because in the last days, unless you take some sort of a mark, and nobody knows what that mark is. Some think they do. Some suppose they do. I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't. What I do know is the Bible says unless you take that mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. Anybody been paying attention lately? I'm not telling you the vaccine is the mark of the beast. If you get it or don't get it, I could care less. None of my business, none of your business if I get it or not. I don't care. But I am telling you that what's happening in our world right now is the process is being at least being tested to see how can we begin to manipulate things that unless you take this identification, unless you take this mark upon you and within your body, you will not be able to be involved in buying us. You will not be able to engage in the economics of our, it's happening right now. And some of you... Jonah couldn't offend them with eight words, so I took a lot longer, but some of you, I just turned you off. I can't fathom that people are choosing this hour as a time to walk away from God. It just doesn't compute, seeing everything I see in the Scripture. Every passage that we know the Bible says about the second coming of the Lord, watching them being fulfilled. Turn on any news station you want right this minute, and I promise you, prophecy is being fulfilled. And yet people are spending less time in the house of God than they ever had before. Use whatever excuse you want to use. Call it COVID. Call it your job. Call it whatever you want. But we've got to wake up because Jesus is coming. We know. Everybody say, we know. we know. Let me ask you this, church. Do you know, have you heard Hebrews 10.25 before that says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day of what day is it talking about? It's talking about the coming of Jesus. Have you ever heard that preached before? Have you heard that a few? Then what are we doing? Leaving the house of God. What are we doing? I understand when Noah's generation didn't listen. I, I could get it if Jonah's generation didn't, but we have no excuse. Those of you that are joining online, I'm not preaching at you. You might think I am. I'm really, I'm not preaching at anyone. I'm just telling you Jesus is coming, and I don't want you to miss it. I would have said if, if 10 years ago you wanted to play games and miss church once in a while, and, you know, instead of coming to the house of God, you do your, 10 years ago, I might have said, you know what, maybe the odds are in your favor, even though it's stupid, even 10 years ago, because you never know. You could pull out in the intersection today. The doctor could walk in tomorrow and say you got five days left. 
You, you just don't know. But, but 10 years ago, your chances were better. But I'm telling you right now, with a conviction in my spirit, that today, Khadijah, the trumpet could sound. Today, the trumpet could sound. And Jesus could come back to take his church away. I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time to stop playing games. And it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. Jonah is walking through the streets. Noah is building an ark. But, but, but pastor, you just don't understand, pastor. I, I, just, I just have so much fear right now. Well, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. But, 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 but pastor, I just have so much anxiety, so much worry. You need to get to the house of God. You need to, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Can I tell you, can I tell you why neighbors, Noah's neighbors missed out? Can I tell you why the students of law and prophets missed the Messiah? Can I tell you why there will be many that missed the rapture? It won't be because they didn't know. You, you won't. You won't be able to say, I never heard. All of you in this building today, you will not be able to say you didn't hear because you just heard. You're accountable. And some of you have heard what I preached today a hundred times before. Don't try to act distracted right now and think you can't pay attention. If you've got a brain in your head, you've got enough attention to listen to what I'm saying right now. It will not be. People will not miss the rapture because they didn't know. It will not be because the preacher did not tell you. I'm making sure of that today. It will not be because you never heard it talked about. It will be because in every generation that missed the warning of God in the day of Noah, in the day of Messiah, and in the second coming of the Lord, it will be because they made excuses. They made conditions. Noah's neighbors made conditions. Oh, we've never seen rain before. All this talk about rain and the this whole, before that, according to the scriptures, it, there, there was a mist that came out upon the earth, but there wasn't rain the way we know it. And they made conditions. They, 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 there's never been a flood. This man has lost his mind. This preacher is insane. It's never going to happen like that. They made conditions. In Jesus' day, they made conditions. Justin, as they laid that baby boy in a manger, people that had waited 400 years, studied more of the Bible than you'll ever read. Me too, Justin. I'm not picking on you. They missed it because they made conditions. They expected their king to be born into riches, not in poverty. They were looking for the lion from the tribe of Judah, not the lamb of God. They expected him to come as a deliverer from Roman oppression, not to come and deliver them from their sins. And so they began to make conditions because he isn't coming the way that I thought he was. They missed the Messiah. And today, many are making excuses. They're making conditions. And if you don't stop making excuses, and if you don't stop making conditions, you are going to miss the coming of Jesus. We don't like this kind of preaching. Then go find you some wimpy pastor that will tell you what you want to hear. 
Go find you some pathetic church that's going to tell you stories every Sunday. Some intimidated pastor that doesn't have a backbone to stand in the pulpit and get your family ready for the coming of the Lord. Go ahead, find you a church that will tell you you don't need to build an ark and you can survive the flood anyhow. If you don't want to hear it, you don't have to. But I'm reaching for somebody today. Jesus is coming. I'm preaching to people right now, COVID has handed you a go-to-hell free card. Because now every time one of your kids said they got an earache, you're going to stay home from church. Every time you need to blow your nose, it's going to be an excuse that you shouldn't go to church. If you're really sick, stay home. But I know, I know what I'm preaching today. Amen. You may not like this preaching, and that's okay. But I'm telling somebody today, you better get ready. Because one day. If you can hear me on the back row, wave your hand at me. Because I need to know that you hear this preacher today. Because one day, Nineveh shall rise. One day, you will stand in judgment with Nineveh. Nineveh didn't know a preacher was coming. Nineveh didn't know that Jonah was going to walk through their city. And yet with one eight-word sermon from a preacher that wished they would all die and be judged, they fell down on their knees and they began to repent and they emptied themselves out. And one day you will stand in judgment with Nineveh. What's going to make the difference is the same as it did. Nineveh made no conditions. If they were looking for a reason not to repent, they could have pointed to the preacher. This guy doesn't even love us. I can feel it in his sermon. He doesn't, he doesn't have my best interest in mind. I could feel, he didn't even come around and shake my hand. No, Jonah didn't just not shake your hand. He avoided you. I don't want nothing to do with you. That was Jonah's. And yet they said, I don't care. I've heard a word that I need to get right with God. And I'm preaching to somebody in this building right now. You need to get rid of all the pre-existing conditions. I don't care what your life has been like. Today is a day of salvation. I don't care how messed up your life has been. Today is your day of salvation. I don't care about the preacher right now. I'm not looking for fault in the preacher. I've got to get right with God. I'm going to tell you there's a difference between Jonah. I didn't just walk up here with eight words. I prayed over this message. I wept over this message. I'm not preaching it today hoping that you'll walk out of here and be judged. I preach it today hoping that you'll run to an altar and repent. Come on, somebody, stop, stop using your conditions. Stop bringing up your past. Stop bringing up all the reasons why you can't repent. It's time right now, listen to this preacher, and get ready because Jesus is coming.
I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, next week, Brother Plager. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it'll be in 2021 or 2022. But all of the prophecies are being fulfilled. And any minute now, I'm expecting those clouds to part. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss his coming because after he comes, grace is gone. How do I repent, preacher? How do I do this, preacher? I hear you telling me. I hear you telling me I need to get right. I need to repent, but how do I do it? The Bible says this godly sorrow works repentance. It's walking down to an altar, first of all. I don't want people to know I'm a sinner. Well, you got pretty good company. Look up here. All you that are at the front because you're sinners, wave your hand. Right? I started the day off by coming up here because I'm the biggest sinner in the building. But I'm asking you to come. Yes, it does matter whether you come or not because you can sit right where you're at and go right back to your old way of living or you can walk down here and let the devil know something's about to change in my life. I'm not good. They may have missed that baby in Bethlehem, but I will not miss the coming of the Lord. I wish there were some way. I wish there was some way, I wish there was some way I could reach in and pull that one. I wish there was some way right now that I could make it a little more plain. This sermon will have zero effect one second after the, after the rapture is sounded. One second after that trumpet is sounded. This sermon will have no benefit to you. Child of God, what more? What more needs to happen before you'll believe? What else? What else would it take? Well, Pastor, I'm offended at you right now. Pray through. Pray through. Same thing I do when I'm offended at you. I pray through. I'm not walking up here as a bitter pastor with an eight-word sermon. I'm preaching up here right now trying to reach for somebody's soul because you'll go to hell bitter. You'll go to hell bitter at the man of God. You better get your spirit right because Jesus is coming. Come on, Brother Plager. I want Brad and I want Matt to be saved. I want the Plager family. I get no joy as a pastor of thinking of any one of you not being saved. I want every one of us to gather around that throne and have a living hope reunion in heaven. I get no joy out of thinking of you being lost. It's not been a pretty sermon, but I have to believe it was better than Jonah's. Can I get that at least? Was it, was it better than Jonah's? It's not the most eloquent sermon I've ever preached, but Jonah preached a hate-filled, hate, it's what it was, it was a hate-filled eight-word sermon. Brother Paul, when he preached, he was hoping that you would turn around and walk out that door. And not repent. That, that's not the way I feel right now. I'm praying that every person in this building would run and find an altar. That's what I'm praying right now. And the Bible says that we're going to be, that Nineveh is going to rise in judgment against us. One more opportunity. The Bible says Nineveh so thoroughly repented that they put their animals in sackcloth and ashes. Everybody in Nineveh repented when one 
offensive, arrogant, hard-hearted pastor walked in, preacher walked in. And they all fell down and repented. Parents, I'm asking you to pray with your babies right now. Jesus is coming. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. We've been waiting for this day. We've been looking forward to it. I've been hearing about this day preached since I was old enough to walk. Since I can remember preaching, I've been hearing about the coming of the Lord. I've been hearing mothers stand up and give interpretations. Behold, I come quickly. Get ready. Jesus is coming. I've been hearing this message all my life. I'd hate to miss it now after waiting for this moment all my life. I'd hate to spend eternity apart from Jesus Christ. After spending all my life in the church, many will be deceived. There are no pre-existing conditions. I don't care what sin you've committed. Jesus stands ready today to forgive. I don't care what your past looks like. Jesus stands ready to forgive. Amen. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as snow. Come and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.